Okay, everybody, good evening to you. It's so good to see you guys, man. It's just so good to be a part of the church. So blessed by y'all with all of your many character issues and weaknesses out there that I see and all of my character issues because, listen to this, 1 Corinthians, the church in Corinth got this Thanksgiving from Paul, this greeting. To the church of God in Corinth, those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people. No matter what issue you walked in here with tonight, no matter how you blew up at your wife or your husband or yelled at your cussed somebody out, no matter what happened with you that brought you in here, you in Christ Jesus have been called to be holy and you are sanctified in Christ Jesus. So because of that, we can say tonight, grace and peace to you from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And I, like Paul, thank God for all of you when I pray for you, for in Him you have been, each one of you, no matter how you feel tonight, in Christ, if you're a believer sealed with the Holy Spirit, you have been, past tense, enriched in every way, with all kinds of speech, and with all knowledge. This is going to be a good night because you, in Christ Jesus, have the God of the universe living inside of you. And so do I. One of my favorite people that has the Holy Spirit living in him is Dr. Coons here. And he uh, was in a prayer meeting with me earlier this week and he shared something. And I said, I think you need to say that to the body on Saturday. So here we go. I have to confess, I texted Jonathan earlier today and said, I don't think I'm supposed to share this, <laughs> but, uh, but here I am. And, and actually, as, as we were during the praise and worship time, I felt like I am supposed to share this. So I think God does that so I can't prepare in advance, because when I pray in advance, prepare in advance, it's just messy. So um, I, I want to share something with you. I, I shared with our house church uh, earlier this week. So you all that are in my house church, I'm sorry for being redundant. Actually, I'm not because you probably need to hear it again. Um, two or three weeks ago, I was just I was in prayer. I was meditating, and uh, I, I just I felt the Father say, in the midst of these troubled times, with all that's happening, all that's going on, He says. I want to remind you of four things. Uh, number one, and y'all, you hear me say this all the time, but we, we have to keep reminding ourselves, we're strangers, we're aliens here. This is not our home. We are created for this season. God put us here on purpose. It's not an accident that we're here at this time. Number two, we can trust him. We know we can. We've all been through those times that you know, we can look back and, and we can say, yes, I can trust my heavenly father. He will be faithful. He will protect me. And not only that, he will empower me. So here's number three. I would remind you, these are all in scripture. Um, I didn't have time to look them up before I came, but <clears throat> remember, our fight is not against flesh and blood. 
Our fight is not against people tearing down statues. It's not against BLM. It's not against people that are angry at the police and wanting to get rid of the police. Our fight is against an enemy who is a roaring lion. But let me remind you of this. David actually spoke about this 2,000 years ago. Psalm 91. Uh, verse 13. Here, here's what David says about our authority over this roaring lion. And he says it twice. You'll see this sometimes in the Psalms. The psalmist, he'll say something twice. He'll say it two different ways. And when he does that, he's, he's driving home this point. He's saying, I want to really emphasize this. This is important that you understand this. So Psalm uh, 91.13, you will tread on the lion. We know who the lion is. And the adder, that's a snake. We know who the snake is. This is us, church. The young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. That's our kingdom authority. This is why we're here during this season. We're not here to cower in fear and hide. We're here to bring the kingdom. And finally, number four, kind of tying in with that. And this is a place I have to go almost every day because I have to keep reminding myself. Second um, Timothy uh, 1, seven. God gave us a spirit, not of fear. We don't fear, church. Listen, this is us. This is who we are. We have power. We have love. And in a world gone nuts, we have self-control. This is the testimony that we bring to the table, and this is the kingdom authority that we have, church. So I will tell you, there are times, yeah, I, I can get kind of, I can slip into my flesh and I can kind of start to fear, and I have to go back and remind myself of this scripture and remind myself of these truths. We're here for a reason. This isn't our home. We bring kingdom power and authority. So I want to just pray for us as a church right now that we walk in this authority. So Father, we do praise you. You put us here. But Father, we confess sometimes we can slip into our flesh and we can get fearful. We all can. I know we can. But Father, you didn't give us a spirit of fear. You gave us a spirit of power to trample on the lion and to trample on the snake. And so, Father, I pray that you would awaken your church, awaken this body, Father. I pray this body would go forth, that it would walk in the kingdom authority and power that you've given it. Father, pray for freedom from fear. Father, Move in this body. Rest your spirit on your church, Father. Bring healing. Minister to your body, Father.
when the spirit of fear comes in, that's Second Timothy 1 passage, God didn't give us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind or self-discipline. And when we read that backwards, we know that when a spirit of fear does come in, we lose our power and we lose our love and we lose our soundness of mind. And that's why fear is so deadly because it totally takes our feet out from underneath us in living the Christian life. And that's actually the word that's on my heart that I wanna share tonight. I wanna talk about the power in the kingdom of God and the need to be people of power, kingdom people of power. But before I do, I wanna have my sweet wife come up and share uh, just a moment. I, I, had, uh, I saw Lizzie and Doc sharing uh, tonight when I was praying, um, and I, I'm glad Doc said yes, because it would have been awkward if it just would have been one. But she shared a prophetic word with me that was so good, and I uh, just wanted her to shout that out tonight. Hello. Um, hi. Hi. Um, I had a vision. Um, we were actually praying for our co-op, and I had a vision, um, but I felt like it was for the church, and, and then I had a scripture. Uh, and the vision was that there were all these streams of water coming from all different places, and then they all came together as one, and it was like this rushing river that had so much power and it didn't matter if anything was in the way. And he started and was saying that John 7, um, if anyone is thirsty and comes to me to drink, then out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And, um, and then I had Isaiah 52, and I didn't know what that was, and so I'm just gonna read that, uh, the first two verses, uh, if you wanna follow along. You can. Um, it says, Awake, awake. Put on your strength, O Zion. Put on your beautiful garments. O Jerusalem, the holy city. For there shall no more come into you the uncircumcised and the unclean. Shake yourself from the dust and arise. Be seated, O Jerusalem. Loose the bonds from your neck, O captive daughter of Zion. So I was studying this this week, and I'm just going to read a couple things from the Matthew Henry commentary because it is just so good, and if I summarize it, it's not going to be as good. Um, but he's, he talks about how in Isaiah 51, the... Um, People are calling out to the Lord, deliver us. Arise, arise, O Lord, deliver us from our captivity. And then in Isaiah 52, the Lord says to them, arise, arise, O people. And so I just was really convicted as I read through this. Um, it says, here he calls upon them to awake and put on their strength to bestir themselves let them awake from their despondency and pluck up their spirits to encourage themselves and one another with the hope that all will be well yet and no longer succumb and sink under their burden. Though so I don't know about you guys, but I have just felt like there's been a burden that's been heavy, that's different than I've ever experienced. And I just, I love that. So he says, awake. 
Let them awake from their distrust, look above them, look about them, look into the promises, into the providences of God that we're working for them and let them raise their expectations of great things from God. Let them awake from their dullness, sluggishness, and raise up their endeavors not to take any irregular courses of their own relief. So that was the first part that stuck out to me for us to awake. And I was, um, the second part is to rid yourself of anything unclean. And it says, shake yourself from the dust. And so I was literally like seeing myself pulling up, come on, you know, get all that dust off. There's stuff that's on me that is not meant to be on me, that is not of him. And that is becoming my reality more than his promises and his truth. And it says it creeps in. Um, so he says, let them prepare for liberty. Shake thyself from the dust in which thou hast lain and into which thy proud oppressors have trodden thee or into which thou hast in thy extreme sorrow rolled thyself. Arise and set up. Jerusalem, prepare to get clear of all the marks of servitude that you have been under. And so I would just ask you today, what is unclean that's crept in? What are those marks of servitude that we've placed ourselves under that are heavy, that we think are normal? The, the Egyptians, when they enslaved the Israelites, they began to think that was normal. It took a long time for them to realize this is not normal. And I have places in my heart that I think are normal that I'm just sitting under. I was talking to Emily today and we are talking about how that hopelessness is different for each of us. And that's why we have to have each other because I don't feel hopeless about the same things Jonathan does or Zeb does. You know, we have different areas that are in our own hearts, I think, that we especially can feel hopeless about. And so I would just say whatever ceiling that we have of expectation of what the Lord can do, it's beyond that. There is no ceiling. His promises will happen, and they are going to happen, and so we can expect everything he says to happen exactly as he says it. He is coming back. He is king. He is holy. He is perfect. This is not our home, and we belong to him. And so we can give ourselves fully to that, not risking that we will be put to shame in any way. So... Um, Lastly, um, just the, his glory. It says in the end of this chapter, if you have time to study this, I really feel like it's for now, and there's so much more, um, but he only gave me like a few minutes. So, um, but the expectation of, of who he is and his name, it's the passage also that says how beautiful are the feet and Jesus and him as our redeemer and um, just that the ceiling cannot be there because it's his glory. It's who he is, is what is at stake. So. Pray that over us if you Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Holy Spirit, um, would you just come? We just ask, would you 
Just come and convict in only a way that you can do. We just confess we have um, laid down in hopelessness. We have submitted to yokes that are not ours. We have rolled in the dust. Would you forgive us? I pray um, that there would be a shaking that happens, that, that we awaken ourselves. You have done so much. You're the one that lifts our head and we just lift our eyes. And so I pray there would be a lifting of eyes tonight in your church. Lord, do this in us as a sign of you doing this in the El Dorado Church this weekend. Do this in us tonight as a sign of you doing this in the nation this weekend. Lord, I pray no ceiling. All ceiling of expectation that's low would be removed in Jesus' name. We can't even do this on our own. Come and remove any wrong ways of thinking, any expectations we have that are lower than what you can accomplish. You are high and lifted up. You sit enthroned above the circle of the earth. You do not grow weak and weary. You are Yahweh. You have always been. And so I pray that our hearts would expect what you can accomplish and what you will accomplish. Amen. Um, I was uh, wrestling with Shiloh uh, maybe, I don't know, a few months ago. And uh, she said, I want to run as hard as I can at you and try to knock you down. So I said, okay. So Shiloh, stand up right here. Will you, sweetheart? Stand up so we can see who we're talking about, the type of, the type of size we're talking about here. So Shiloh uh, runs across the room at, uh, at me. This is when she was a little younger. Uh, full speed. And I'm sitting there uh, on the ground. And she runs as fast as she can. And she hits me. And I flail myself back and fall on the floor like she ran me over. And we did that like, I think a thousand times. And, um, and it was so cute, just really, really loved it. And then last night, Lizzie and I were coming home from dinner in the Flint Hills, and we see a freight train with a couple, three engines on the front, pull up on this little tiny bridge, and I get the chance to watch this train for about a half a mile, and I stand there on this bridge, and this thing's just, just coming. I can hear it, you know, your heart starts beating a little bit more. And it just comes right under me, I don't know, 10 feet under me, and the entire bridge just shakes. And this whole mile-long train goes underneath me, and I just feel like that big. And I thought about how the kingdom of God advances like that. And a lot of times, we advance against the world like that. And we come up and we, we bump up against it. And then we, we think we've done something good because we've got a little breakthrough on our own, but there's really no breakthrough unless the kingdom of God in us is forcefully advancing. So I want to talk about power tonight. So I love what they're saying here. This is just so in line with what was on my heart. And, and so it's three times spoken. So I encourage you to listen to it. Uh, not because uh, Doc or Lizzie or I have anything special in of ourselves, but the Lord wants to speak through his people to his people. Um, the word power in Greek is uh, dunamis. It's uh, where we get the word dynamite from. You've heard that. It means strength or force or miraculous ability or violence, or mighty work. Power. The kingdom of God comes in power. Christ was crucified in weakness, but he lives by the power of God, 2 Corinthians 13. The word weakness in the Greek is uh, asthenia. Asthenia, and it means a lack of strength 
or a lack of force or infirmity or being feeble or frail or being sickly or having a weak soul so that you can't restrain your corrupt desires that wage war within you or you can't stand up under the weight of trial. Anybody ever lived a Christian life feeling weak? Maybe like every day sometimes you feel that way. Or for a long season, I've felt weak. I've felt powerless. I, I don't feel any boldness to share my faith. And I certainly don't have the inner strength or I'm not taking a hold of the inner strength to fight sin in my life. And I think the Lord wants to flip that on its head. And he wants us to be a people of power. And so what I'd like to do is I want to take you on... Um, a little bit of a tour tonight through the book of Luke, take 10 minutes to do it or so. And then I want to talk about how we do this practically. And I want to do some lab time and practice with a few of you at the end. So um, it'll be good, Lord willing. Powerful life in the kingdom, weak life in the kingdom. You can be a believer and live a powerful or a weak life. Did you know that? It's possible to be sealed with the Holy Spirit and be somewhat ineffective because you're living in a weak way. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, I'm sorry. He said that the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk. He said he's going to come and he's going to assess the talk of some people who are boasting, arrogant people who are spewing things out of their mouth. But he says, I'll come assess how they are talking, I'm going to assess their power as well. Because the kingdom of God is not an issue of talking, but it's an issue of power. Meaning when we see the kingdom of God advancing, power is behind it. This is what was behind Jesus' ministry from start to middle to end. Jesus had a ministry of power. Paul understood that. If you go to your left on 1 Corinthians uh, chapter uh, uh, 1, Verse 17, I, I, Christ didn't send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom and eloquence, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. So we can preach the gospel with wisdom and eloquence and drain the cross of its power. You remember this uh, in chapter uh, 2 uh, of 1 Corinthians. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with the demonstration of the Spirit's power. Why? So that your faith might not rest on human wisdom or human power, but on God's power. The manifestation of the kingdom is power. Dynamite power, dunamis power, force, strength, Ability, miraculous things, violence even, mighty work. And the Lord can change nations with just a few people like that. Men and women like that change nations. That's why he says, one of you have put, what is it, 5,000 flight, two put 10,000, whatever it is. It doesn't take much in an atom bomb, right? Not a lot of, of an activity in that to, to, to completely obliterate a city dynamite in a small amount. He says, I just need genuine stuff. I just need the genuine stuff. And he wants genuine believers walking in power. So a kingdom life is a powerful life. Jesus' life was lived in the power of the Holy Spirit. Real quick, before we get to Luke, uh, go to uh, Acts chapter 10. And we get kind of a picture here of the two different competing kingdoms. 
Peter's at Cornelius' house and he's describing Jesus. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, verse 38 of Acts chapter 10, with the Holy Spirit and power. And Jesus went around doing good and healing all those who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. I've got Shiloh power and I've got freight train power. Which one trumps which one? And it's infinitely infinitely more vast the space between God's power and Satan's power. Did you know that? It's not like the devil on your shoulder. One has about the same as the other. It's infinitely different. One whisper from God at the end, the breath of his mouth is going to wipe out all the forces of the enemy. That's so encouraging for me. It's not going to be like a hand-to-hand combat. With the breath of his mouth, he'll just wipe them all out. If I, by the finger of God, cast out demons, Jesus says, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Just a finger is all it takes. Just a little tiny bit of genuine faith and that, is, that power is released. Two competing kingdoms. Dick said it earlier, we don't have a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, of sound minds. The Lord changes the city of El Dorado with a few of us that have this. Okay, Luke chapter one. I'm gonna take you from Luke one to Luke 24. And just look at 13 different passages. I'd love it, love it, love it if you have your Bible. I didn't give these scriptures to Dina. I don't think there's so many of them. But man, I would love it if you'd have your Bibles and just go to Luke 1 and flip to the right with me and just look. I, went, I, was, I was studying this out. I want to look at every single sentence that had to do with this. I wanted to get a bird's eye view of it. I saw six different groupings in here that was so encouraging for me and I just want to share it with you. Jesus power in 135, chapter 135. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, Mary, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Jesus' conception began in power. The power of the Holy Spirit the, the one on the, the most high will overshadow you. His life began in power. He went through his ministry and then he ended that way. And we're gonna look at what happens after that. Go to chapter four, verse 14. 414, Jesus returned to Galilee after he was tested in the wilderness in the power of the Holy Spirit. He was born in power. He had to go through this wilderness time and he returns and he starts his ministry in Luke 4 where he says in verse 18, the spirit of the Lord is on me. He's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. His ministry starts in power. Birth in power, ministry starts in the power of the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 36 in chapter 4. All the people were amazed after Jesus was teaching and healing and casting out demons. And they said to one another, what words these are, what authority and power. He gives orders to impure spirits and they come out. Who is this guy? He's living and operating in a way that most people know people live. He's like one of the prophets of old that live with power and authority. No, he's way more than that. He's living by the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, all power and authority in Matthew 28 has been given to me. He gives it to us. Now go forth and make disciples. This is what Jesus' ministry looks like. And this is what our ministry is to look like. Chapter five, 
verse 17. Jesus was teaching. The Pharisees were watching him. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Healing sick people takes power, supernatural power. Can't do it on our own. Chapter 6, verse 19. And the people tried to touch him because power was coming out from him and healing them all. And then in chapter 8, verse 46, we finish up with this section about Jesus' ministry. 8, verse 46, Jesus says, Someone touched me. And how do I know? Because power has gone out from me. So I've got one, two, three, four, five, six passages that set up what Jesus' ministry started in and what his ministry continued in and how you describe it, okay? Then you get this transition point in chapter nine where Jesus sends out the 12 and he says something to them that's unique. He gave them power and authority to drive out demons, to cure diseases, to proclaim the kingdom of God, and to heal the sick. This dunamis power, this dynamite power that he had, he gave it to them. Now later it says he poured out, but now I think it's interesting, he gave them this power. As if like people were coming up to him in a barrel of water and he scooped a cup and he gave them a cup to go out. And the next guy comes up and he scoops a cup and he gives it to go out. This was not like a long-term thing. This was a ministry-related thing. They were to go out and use that power and to come back, but it was not staying forever. And the reason it wasn't staying forever is because it hadn't been poured out from on high yet. We'll get to that in a minute. But he gave them something to practice. He said, this is what I've been doing. Now you go do the same. Go do all this stuff that I've been doing and use the power to do it. Disciples in chapter 10 He says to them in verse 23, when he sends out the 72, I'm sorry, verse 19, I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, don't rejoice that that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And who did God give this awe-inspiring power to? Who did he give this dynamic, overcoming power to? He says it right after. Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said in verse 21, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. You've hidden these things from the wise and learned, and you've revealed them to little children. The, the childlike faith is what's required to say, I know the 10 spies said that the giants are bigger in the land and the walls have high fortified, there's gates, there's te- there's, it's, the people are stronger than we are. I know the 10 spies said that, but Caleb and Joshua said, but we believe that the Lord's gonna do what he said he's going to do. The facts don't make any difference. The facts for the 10 were the same for the facts for the two. Facts don't change. Faith changes. And Caleb and Joshua said, we have childlike faith to believe God said it. Just like Lizzie said, he will do it. His promises will come true. And I just got, I've got a simplicity enough to believe that. And those who do it that way see all kinds of power released through their life. Simple submission to the Lord like a child. I'll do what you tell me to do. I'll pray who you tell me to pray for. If I fall on my face, I fall on my face. You'll pick me up and dust me off again. 
All this dynamic power goes to the childlike in faith. Okay, bear with me. We're, we're almost done. Uh, we're about halfway. We're not almost done. We're halfway. Luke chapter 11. Jesus transitions. Okay, we got Je- the first part was Jesus' power in his ministry. Second transition was the disciples' part in their ministry. And he teaches them about that. And then he says, I'm going to give you in the middle of this a revelatory teaching on power in the spirit realm and what it looks like. Power in the spirit realm looks like this. Verse 20. If I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Verse 21. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own house, his possessions are safe. But when someone stronger attacks and overpowers him, he takes away the armor in which the man trusted and he divides up his plunder. Every heart in this room is a palace. Every sinner's heart is the devil's palace. And the devil protects that palace from an invading army, namely the armies of Jesus Christ, the God of light, the kingdom of light. He is is the strong man that has to be overpowered with force by a stronger man. And Jesus says, this is how power works in the kingdom. You actually bind him up and take his possessions away. And you exercise violence against the kingdom of darkness, lest we forget that we're in a fight. Chapter 21. Jesus takes two passages to give us a sneak peek of coming power. 21, verse 27. He's about to be crucified. He's talking about the end times. And he says, At that time, they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. When these things begin to take place, stand up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. You think you've seen me in power now, Jesus says. There'll come a day when people will see me, the Son of Man, coming in transcendent, overwhelming glory and power when I split the eastern sky and come back. That's a sneak peek to the power that's coming. That's when we'll see with our eyes and we won't be seeing with just faith. And then he says it again in chapter 22, 69, when he's before Pilate. Jesus answered, chapter, six, uh, chapter 22, verse 69. But from now on, the Son of Man will be seated at the right hand of God, of the power of God. The right hand of the power of God. Y'all got no idea who I am, he's saying. You think you've seen me do things powerful here, multiplying bread and healing the sick, casting out demons? Just wait. Wait till you see me high and lifted up sitting on the throne of God. Jesus' ministry, last two here, is summed up by the men walking on the road to Emmaus. In verse 19, they said, what, what things, Jesus asked? Well, the things about Jesus of Nazareth, the men replied. He was a prophet. He was powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. A summation of Jesus. So we started with Jesus' power in his ministry. We moved to the disciples' power and what that looks like. Then we have a little teaching Kind of, a, kind of a revelatory teaching on what spiritual battle and power looks like. We have a sneak peek of the power to come. And then the nice bookend is we're back to Jesus talking about his power. And we finish the book in Luke with verse 49. 
You are witnesses of these things. Jesus says, I'm going to send you what my father has promised disciples, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. And then we know what happens in the book of Acts, don't we? We have a violent shaking wind that comes in, a powerful wind. They're baptized with the Holy Spirit and fire. They go out, they begin to proclaim with boldness the great things that God has done, and they turn the city upside down. The, the apostles were doing so many powerful things that people were in awe and wonder. You remember Stephen, the deacon, he was full of power in the Holy Spirit and he was healing people. They were filled with boldness, the power of the Holy Spirit to be witnesses. And 3,000 came in in one day in one sermon. Power released. A greater power than was operating in the world took place there. How did that happen? What happened? This is, this is, a, this is a transition I want to get into. What does a powerful kingdom life require? And from what I see in the scriptures, I believe it's the Holy Spirit. To be a powerful kingdom Christian, to live a kingdom life full of power requires a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, we just, kind of a clanging gong, resounding cymbal. With the Holy Spirit, there's dynamic force behind it. We can speak a word in season and people can be cut to the heart and say, what do I do to be saved? We can speak a word of knowledge to someone, a word of wisdom to someone, and it, and it totally transforms their life. It's the same English words we're using, but there's power behind it because the Holy Spirit's behind it. So, a spirit-filled life is a kingdom life. A kingdom life is a powerful life because the kingdom of God does not have to do with talk, but with power. The same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead is in us, yes or no? It is. That's crazy, isn't it? A little bit. I don't have enough self-discipline to get out of bed 20 minutes early. Can't stop cussing. Just wish I could have enough discipline to read my Bible more. We've got, the power, we've got the life of God inside of us. And it takes the Holy Spirit, 1 Corinthians 2, to help us know the things we've been freely given. The Holy Spirit has to help unpack to us the reality of Christ in us, the hope of glory. Because our little tiny pea brains can't get our minds, we can't understand it. The power of God in us, when we start to grasp that, when we get revelation of Christ in us and the power that we have, it changes the way we act. We begin to act crazy in a good way. We become OCD on Jesus like Paul was. We're, we're, we're thinking about him. He is, he's coming back soon. You need to know Jesus, random person I've never met before. Why? Because I'm compelled by the Holy Spirit to tell you. Or you need to do a better job witnessing to non-believers because you just work at it. Here's some training you need to go. Okay, I should. And then I do it. I'm like, I didn't do very good. And we're all in our own power over here. And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. I'll give you all the power to do all that. You can't help yourself but witnessing. You just know me via the Holy Spirit. You be filled with the Holy Spirit on a regular basis. Okay, here's lab time. This is how we're going to practice. Go to Ephesians 5, 
We're gonna wrap up like this. Ephesians chapter five. Where's Tyler Norris? Is he in here? Tyler Norris. Tyler Norris and I had lunch. We were talking about this passage. He said, you ought to say this this weekend. I said, okay, I will. So I'm saying it. Ephesians chapter five, verse 13. No, verse 11. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It's shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible and everything that's illuminated becomes a light. Meaning you get exposed to Christ Jesus and expose yourself to the light of his face, you become a shining one. You become one that looks like Jesus, smells like Jesus, acts like Jesus, people attracted to you. You transform your workplace, your city, your family. You're a shining one. Everything illuminated by the light becomes a light. Joanne Stotts in the middle school out there, shining the light of Jesus because she's been illuminated by the light. Listen to this. Be very careful then how you live circumspectly, not as unwise, but as wise, redeeming the time or making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. The most foolish thing you can do is live life not knowing what God's will for your life is. The wisest thing you can do is say, Lord, fill me with the knowledge of your will. This is your life, not my life. The wisest thing you can do, take my life and let it be consecrated unto thee. Do whatever you want. I got one day left. I got 50 years left. I don't know. Do whatever you want with it, God. It's the wisest thing you can do. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery or reckless living. Instead, be constantly being filled with the Spirit. How do we do that? I love the Bible. Number one, this is how you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. Number two, sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Number three, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Should be a comma there. I'm sorry, NIV got it wrong. Comma, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ, period. That's how it reads. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ is grammatically connected to the previous passage. How are we filled with the Holy Spirit? We speak to one another, which means you gotta be around these smelly, annoying Christians that bother you sometimes. The body of Christ that you don't always wanna be around. You gotta speak to one another with psalms, hymns, songs from the Spirit. You gotta sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. We just did that. We give thanks to God the Father all the time for everything, the good and the bad, by the way, comma, and we submit to one another out of reverence or awe or fear of Christ. Okay, so who in here has read the Psalms this week? Raise your hand. All right, Chip Stotts, come up here, will you? 
Who in here has ever heard a hymn in your life? All right. Who here has a favorite hymn in your, in your, in your repertoire? Who has a favorite hymn? Anybody have a favorite hymn? Alita, come on up here, Alita. I know you do. I know you do. You know, I'm not going to make you sing it. Who here, who here has the gift of prophecy? Raise your hand. All right, Brian Paulser, come up here. Who here has um, the gift of singing? Oh, here's a tricky one. Who has the gift of singing? Asher, come up here, buddy. That's a bold young man. There we go. Who here has had a particularly heavy season? Not the best season in the world. Got some things going on in your life. Philip Webb, come on up here, buddy. Okay, that's what we're gonna do. Chip Stotts. You got a song. You got your Bible on you. Grab your Bible. I should have told you to bring your Bible. Sorry. Okay, we're going to practice here a little bit. All right. So we're here in an equipping meeting. We're going to have house church meetings this week, or you have the Acts 2.42 meetings on the first part of the month. Whenever we come together, we're going to practice and actually see if the Bible works. Okay? So Chip is going to find a psalm, maybe one that he read this week. Alita is going to think of one or two lines from any hymn. I don't care which one it is. The Lord is going to bring it to your heart. Brian's going to pray. He's going to get a word from the Holy Spirit. And Philip's going to think of five or six things he's thankful for in his life right now. Now, when it says speak to one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, it doesn't say sing, which is interesting. What really, what they're saying here is poems. Psalms are long poems. Hymns are shorter poems. And spiritual songs are the shortest of all. It's like the Lord gives you a word in season. And it's just something you just blurt out, right? This is what the Lord's doing in this season right now. So I'm not going to have you guys say a ton, but which one of you wants to go first with the psalm? Sure. Chip has a psalm. Um, so those of us, um, which is all of us, unless we're staying in our homes, are uh, subject to um, this plague <laughs> that's about us. And so Psalm 91, uh, well, my wife. We're going to practice. Stand up here, guys. Stand, come here, come here, come here, come here, come here. This is what it's going to look like. I apologize, Chip. I'm interrupting you. We got a guy that's had a heavy week here. Let's say in particular, Philip. And Chip's going to read this to him to encourage him. Brian's going to encourage this guy here. Alita's going to share this hymn. We're going to transition here. And this Psalm is... Uh, the, the heading is security of the one who trusts in the Lord. So you trust in the Lord, so you have security which is in him. And this is a very powerful song because it just, uh, it, it builds us up. And, and the truth is in this. So, Philip. Philip. So Philip dwells in the shelter of the Most High. You abide with the Lord. So we'll abide in the shadow of the Almighty and I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust, for it is he who delivers you from the snare of the trapper and from the deadly pestilence. 
So um, all of that, I mean, I can continue, but this is an amazing psalm to read when we're feeling overwhelmed by the world and our troubles that we can focus on instead of him. And you are one of his children and you abide. And as we abide, we see and feel uh, and know the strength that is ours. So. Amen. Amen. Okay, Brian, have at it, buddy. Uh, give me your name again. Philip. Philip. As I was praying for it, I just felt like the Lord was telling me that um, you're good with your hands, that you're a mechanically skilled guy. And I felt like the Lord said, um, you're going through a transition. I don't know if the transition is with your job. That's just my gut feeling. And um, I just hear the Lord saying, in my time, in my way. And he wants to encourage you. And do not be discouraged. The Lord's work is not slow as we see it. Or it is sometimes slow as we see it. But he's not slow. He does everything in due time. And even though sometimes we wait for his promises, I just feel like the Lord's saying, cling to those promises and know that I am the Lord. And it is in my time that I want to do this work in you. Yeah. So, Lord, I just pray for a blessing for my brother. Um, the evangelist, Lord right here, Lord, that he would, uh, as he's waiting on you, Lord, he would press into your goodness, even though sometimes he can't see it, Lord. And he would trust you, Lord, even though he says, Lord, I, this is like a true leap of faith for me to trust you in this situation. Lord, we know you have his finances in order, Lord. We know you have his family in order. Lord, I pray that during this time, he would more and more be able to seek your face and more and more be able to see your face in Jesus' name. Yeah, so good. So good. Hang right here. Alita is going to go with a, um, a song. And it's what a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. And I don't know the rest of it, but it's easy to find it. Amen. And, and an, another song I've been singing around my house this week is, I Must Tell Jesus. And it's because he's a compassionate, kind Savior. And he is our burden bearer. He, um, he is the one that we tell all our cares to. He bears our burdens for us if we'll give them to him. I love him for that. Amen. Woo. This is so good. I'm encouraged. Asher, come here, buddy. Do you have a song? No. Do you, um, what's your favorite song to sing? Can you sing that? Um, Am I need to sing? Okay. We're going to call an audible on this one. Who else has the gift of singing? Uh, who wants to sing? Come up here, sweetie. And she's going to sing a song. Here, sit down here, buddy. What song do you have? Okay, sing just that. Like that. Sing that chorus over him, will you? Okay, yes. Yes. Overfall. And also, I just heard the Lord say to just press into Him in this season. Mm. Oh, like just a month ago, I was in like the darkest place I've ever been in, and now I just feel reborn. So just press into Jesus. But yes, how great is our God! 
Sing with me how great is our God, and all will sing how great, how great is our God. Good, so good, so good. How are you feeling right now? Lighter. That's <laughs> what it feels like. When we're filled with the Holy Spirit, burdens get lifted off. Okay, so those three things uh, were done. Now let's practice um, giving thanks mm -hmm. for all things in all situations. Anything you're thankful for? Well, the first thing that I am thankful for that it took me a, to get a shift of perspective is the circumstance and the trials that I've been going through that it's been more of a pruning process, that God's removing or shaking the dirt off of what doesn't need to be on me. Um, I'm thankful for conviction, because without that, I would be off in left field still, and I'm just thankful that I have encouraging people around me. We have the church, the family, my wife, my kids, um, all the men at Second Chance, that I have an amazing support network. Um, and, I'm just thankful to be alive. Yeah. I mean, like what she was talking about being completely wrecked, like I survived through a heroin addiction. And I just need to go right back to that place of gratitude um, and that desperation that I first had because I kind of wandered off and I forgot what it was like to, be, to have that childlike faith, to be completely on fire. And I just, I'm so thankful that God kind of redirected me with different people throughout this week that allows me to take a step back and that he is my shelter. He is placing a hedge of protection around me that I don't have to do anything, that he already has his plan worked out. Yeah. And so a lot of the worries that I've had were from my own strength, my own resources, and he corrected me in the way that what is your strength? It's nothing compared to the power of God. Yeah. And so. Amen. Guys, give Philip a hand for coming up here. It's so good. So good, guys. So real quick, as we end here, what Philip did was he submitted himself. Yes, come up here, brother. So good, so good. The, more, the, the most free people, the most healthy in the Lord's are the ones I see submit themselves to the body of Christ the most. And that's sometimes a hard thing for all of us to do. But so proud of Philip for doing that. Thank you guys. This is good practice for us. Practice these four things here. Speak and sing and make melody in your heart to the Lord. Give thanks in the middle of a hard day. Just start telling them the top six things, seven things you're thankful for in the day. Watch and see what happens. Watch the burdens lift off of you. Let's stand if we would. Lord, we pray in Jesus' name that we would be a people of power, shaking off the dust, Lord. Pray that we would not try to fight fleshly battles this week, Lord, but we would fight in the spiritual realm, Lord. 
I pray your kingdom would advance mightily through these precious ones here, God. I ask each one of them would live a spirit-filled life this week, God. I pray for thanksgiving. Lord, I pray for us to walk, Lord, this week in higher places than we've been used to walking in, God. Seated with Christ already in the heavenly realms, let us walk in victory this week, we pray. I just pray that you would, this, this night, Lord, we would go forth, Lord, in the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.